Om Namo Narayanaya. This is a recording of a talk of James Swartz on the Bhagavad Gita at Yoga Vidya Bad Meinberg near Hanover in Germany. Oh, it's still going on. Well, that's all right. Wait, anybody got any more questions? We've got a couple of people that aren't quite back yet. Does anybody have any more questions? Yeah, Al. I have a question. I have still difficulties. Uh, the objects are in my mind. They are in me. The, o- so, yeah, 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 an object is, 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 is the thought of an object. Yeah. You never so, experience an object, yeah, actually. Okay. It's a thought in me. So yeah. when you say in me, in, in courses and here, videos and so, you mean consciousness, or you yeah, mean, I mean another con- subject? No, I mean in consciousness. You mean in consciousness. Yeah. So when you say... Well, if there is a subject, the subject is the thought in consciousness also. So So when you say the thought is in consciousness, in me, yeah. as consciousness, yeah. then is this uh, equivalent to the wave is the ocean? Uh, yes. So the thought, let's say, of a... Uh, the thoughts are just consciousness waves, yeah. waving. Like the, the tree. Yeah. yeah? The tree like thought the, is just a wave in consciousness. A, a wave consciousness is just taking the form of a tree. Exactly. And so it is, the ocean is consciousness. Yeah. It's ever consciousness. Yeah. And the tree consciousness, the book consciousness, consciousness. The, the feeding consciousness. Yeah, the thought consciousness, so Okay, and therefore you say um, it is like water or air, because then you have the symbol of the water, like the wave. The, the subtle body, like the thought, yeah. is like water or air. Well, it, it's, it, it, consciousness is like, like water or air in the sense that it can take any form. So the subtle body is consciousness, and consciousness is formless, and so it can take any form. If when you have a tree thought, when when you now you have a, a hand, wave, let's n- say. yeah, let's you got a hand wave now. Yeah. Now you got a glasses wave. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. That, so, that now the conscious, there was when you saw the glasses, yeah. there was no hand to interfere, was there? Yeah, yeah. Huh? Why? Because consciousness, as soon as the hand disappeared, consciousness. It was it's the, it's clear. The ocean. Yeah, it's clear ocean. Yeah, and then it suddenly the glasses wave comes up. Yeah, but but the consciousness hasn't been affected at all. So then we then the next step is like the wave, the wave which the ocean waves. Yeah, the ocean waves. So the waves is the ocean, but the ocean is not the wave. That's right. The the ocean is unaffected. Is not an, it is not a separated form. No, well, it is a separate form. The wave is separate from the ocean. It is a different, but it's a different dimension. You always well, you could put it like, yeah, a different order of reality. Order of reality. That's right. There's two orders of reality: satya, the ocean, and mitya, the wave. Hmm? The wave, the wave is the ocean, but the ocean's not the wave. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Isn't that right? Because so so. Just give one explanation on that point. Why is the Ocean of the wave, because it's a non. It's because it's reality, because it? because it doesn't change when the wave changes. Okay. okay. Huh? Okay. And that's one reason. Another reason is the ocean is conscious and the wave isn't. Huh? 
you, consciousness, are conscious of the thought, but the thought's not conscious of you. So thoughts in, in the mitya dimension, it's not conscious. When maya's operating, huh, then just with just pure maya, without consciousness, there, there's, huh, without any consciousness shining on it, there's no reflection. There's no sentiency. There's no, you, oh, you're not aware. First, there, first you have just, you have consciousness is present in the beginning, then maya appears. Maya is just matter. It's just thoughts. Thoughts are matter. Matter doesn't think. Your thoughts don't think. Huh? Then when what happens? Then when consciousness shines on the matter, the matter starts to think. It becomes conscious. It becomes an, a, a conscious being. So creation or life is what? Pure consciousness plus matter. Matter can't think. Matter is inert. Your thoughts do not know anything. Your thoughts, your thoughts don't think. Your thoughts are just, they're the same as material objects. The only difference between a thought and a material object is that a thought is, is quicker. A thought appears and disappears quicker. This material object appears and it lasts for a longer time and then it disappears. One day this chair will be gone. But it seems to be more solid and more real because its duration is longer. And a thought is nothing but the same thing, but it's, 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 its duration, the, the point from its beginning to an end, is very quick. But it can't think. It's not conscious. But when consciousness shines on it, then what? It becomes a sentient being. Consciousness is not a person until what? The subtle body appears. When the subtle body appears, it appears as a jiva, a person, a conscious being that knows. So all jivas are a combination of two, two forces or two factors. What? Consciousness and matter. Matter is consciousness because where are your thoughts coming from? from consciousness. So huh, it, the effect, the thoughts, can't be what? And it different from the consciousness, can you? Because consciousness is the source. So the effect is going to be the source, the consciousness, in a particular form, in a wave form. So the thoughts are you, but you're not the thoughts. That's called moksha. Moksha is what? The knowledge of satya and mitya the relationship between consciousness and the thoughts. When that vasana, that understanding of that is clear, then you're free for good. Then you don't need Vedanta. If you understand that, you don't need Vedanta. Because that's the essence of Vedanta. Because you only have two things in reality. Remember, this is where we started the very first night, the very first day. Uh, you have, there's only two orders of reality. The subject, which is consciousness, and the object, which uh, the objects are material. All objects are material. Everything below the line is matter. Everything above the line is pure consciousness. Pure consciousness doesn't know anything until Maya appears and matter is there, and then it becomes a jiva, conscious being. Dog, cat, 
microbe, human being, angel, devil, blah, 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 whatever kind of conscious entities there are, are just what combinations of consciousness and matter. And the, the problem is that in that second stage of creation that we talked about, when Raj, Rajas was operating, huh, that's where the mixture happened. In the first stage, there's no mixture. Ishwar is the first stage. Ishwar is what? Awareness plus pure sattva. So Ishwar is not a person that's conflicted. It's just pure knowledge. Ishwar is just the pure knower of everything. Ishwara too. And he, it, it, this Ishwara has no conflicts because Rajas hasn't had a chance to split what? The mirror of Prakriti into two. But in the second stage, huh, conscious Maya splits the mirror of Prakriti into innumerable shards, into duality. And duality, and that's called avidya. So the jivas are all ignorant of their nature. They're confused. They don't know whether they're material entities or they're spiritual entities. They don't know. And so they're constantly confusing their spiritual side with their material side. They're constantly confusing themselves with their emotions and their physical body <coughs> and their thoughts and all that sort of thing. Yes, Al? So for discrimination, I have to do... Actually, if I use the wave ocean, that's for me the most practical right now. Then I have always to discriminate between experience and whatever, you know, all of the internal uh, objects. And, 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 and awareness. And awareness. Like, everything is the wave, but every, every object are the waves. Uh, uh, yeah. But I'm the ocean. Uh, yeah, I'm and aware. I'm the knower. I'm the knower. I'm the knower of the wave. Of the whatever. The, the object, whatever it is. That's right. There's and, only and that's since, chapter thirteen. The field since, in the knower. And since I wave up, it's me. Whatever waves up is me, but I don't wave up. The I never waves up. <laughs> the I always. Uh, Maya makes the I look like it's waving up, but I don't wave up. So the whole waving up is, is created by Ishwara Maya. So the flat ocean would be just awareness. That's awareness. it. I'm flat ocean. I'm flat ocean. That's it. And Maya, what does Maya do? When Maya's up, yeah, it separates the ocean from the wave. There's no actual separation. Hmm. Huh? It's never separate. But what? Maya makes it look like it's separate. So it looks like the wave is the wave and the ocean is the ape. And you don't understand that the wave is H2O, water, and that the ocean is H2O, that they're actually just one thing. They look like they're different. That's what Maya... Maya is just a trick. So one, you once said, like, Maya is becoming, you know, like the movement. Yeah. So flatness is... Be, apparently becomes an object. So the becoming is the objecting, yeah. objectifying. Yeah, but it doesn't actually, it, it becomes it. In There's two kinds of creation. There's a parinama and a vivarta parinama. Uh, becoming is what? Two, in, in other words, this becoming, there's two kinds of becoming. There's the becoming of, of cheese from milk. Now, if you have milk, okay, 
and you subject it to a certain process, you can make cheese, right? So the cheese is the milk, isn't it? You can, yeah. The cheese is the milk, but what? It's the milk in a different, in a particular form. That's all it is. It's, it, it can't be anything more than milk because milk is the substance, and now it's become the cheese. Okay. Now, can you get the milk back? Can you reverse the process? Can you reverse that transformation? No, you can't. Because what? The, the milk had to stop being milk to become cheese. So it doesn't exist as milk anymore, does it? But awareness, you don't become the objects. You don't become Joe or Pete or Sally or Sam. You don't become a wave or a tree or any other object or the body or any. You don't become in that way. You don't stop being awareness and then become the object. What do you do? Huh? You appear as the object. Maya makes you huh, appear as the object, but you never stop being awareness. So this is why we can what? This is why you can get moksha, because when you analyze the object, huh, you take away the appearance. And then it just leaves what? You awareness. Like we took away the shirt and we came to awareness. We went to the cotton, then we went to, we went to the threads, then we went to the cotton, then we went to the atoms, then the protons, then the neutrons, then the mesons, then the bosons, down to space, we got to space, and then we resolved space into consciousness, and so I'm wearing consciousness. Consciousness I'm wearing consciousness, but it's appearing as a shirt. The wood is appearing as a chair. The wood is appearing as a table over here. The wood is appearing as a chair over here. The wood is appearing as a cabinet over here. It's the same wood. The wood hasn't changed. The wood is just a cabinet over here, a chair over here, and a table over here. But the wood is wood. There's been no change in the substance. Only the form has changed. Only the wave of the wood, huh? the chair wave, huh? the cabinet wave, and the table wave. That's all. So creation is nothing but name and form. That's all it is. All objects are nothing but names and forms. And what we do, what, what Vedanta does, it just what analyzes the names and forms and resolves the name and the form back into its source. This is called Karya, Karana Karya Wada. It means cause and effect teaching. And the idea is the effect huh, is just the cause in a particular form. The wave is just the ocean. That's all it is. Huh? in a particular form. The ocean hasn't stopped being water. It's just water in its formless state or it's water in its wave state. That's all. That's the essence of Vedanta. Brahma Satyam Jagan Mitya. Jivo Brahmeva Na Paraha.
Brahma Satya means what? Consciousness or awareness is <coughs> free and always existent and what? And real and the substance of everything and what? Satya means the world hmm, is what? Dependent and not free and is nothing but consciousness appearing. And the jiva, which is an appearance in awareness, is a wave in awareness, that jiva and Brahman are the same. The jiva and Ishwara are the same. Ishwara 1 and Ishwara 2. How does that work? <laughs> Ishwara 1 is pure consciousness. Ishwara 2 is pure consciousness plus maya. Jiva is what? Maya means the three bodies. Jiva is consciousness plus the five sheaths. Five levels or layers of sheaths. If we subtract Jiva's five sheaths and we subtract Ishwara's three bodies, what do, what's the identity between Ishwara and Jiva? Consciousness. Because Ishwara can't create the whole universe without consciousness. And what? And Jiva can't create its small little karma world without what? Consciousness. So both Jiva and Ishwara say, share the same identity. There's no difference. Jiva, Brahmaeva, Naparaha. Jiva and Brahman are non-different. Sarashiva Samarambam Shankaracharya Madhyamam Asmaracharya Paryantam Vande Guru Param Param Ishwaro Guratmeti Murti Veda Vibhagine Vyomabhadvyapta Dehaya Dakshinamurtaye Namaha Sarvavedanta Siddhanta Gocharam Tamagocharam Govindam Paramanandam Sadgurum Pranatosmiham Om Shri Krishna Govinda Narayana Paramatmane Okay, Chapter 12, Devotion. Okay, what's the connection between, between uh, consciousness and love? Huh? <laughs> They're equal. How how are they equal? How are consciousness and love equal? Consciousness is called Parama Prema Swarupa. It's the chapter on bhakti, on love. Consciousness is called Parama Prema Swarupa. It means pure love. Prema means pure love. It's a, it's it's not the love of the love that's created by passion. It's not vasanananda, vasana love. Vasana love is I love you, you love me. I love you because you're going to satisfy my desires and you love me because I'm going to satisfy your desires. And we call that love. That's a business deal. Most relationships are just business deals. This is not the love we're talking about. This is what? Pure love. And pure love is anandam. Now, what's the relationship between consciousness and love? Because it seems like they're two different things, doesn't it? Content. 
Because we're used to thinking of consciousness as uh, uh, love as what? A feeling. Right? We think that love is a feeling. Jiva, jiva, huh? that love is an emotion or a feeling. But love is not a feeling. It Love is willing attention. Love is an exercise of your free will in the form of what? Whatever you pay attention to. Now you're always paying attention to something, aren't you? Isn't it? As long if you have a body, uh, if you have a body and mind, that body and mind is always paying attention to something. Huh? If Attention, huh? What, uh, definition of attention? That's good. That's the next stage. You're thinking right along the right lines, Oleg. Good. What is attention? Consciousness directed through an instrument. Hmm? Consciousness focused through the intellect. The intellect is like an instrument. And consciousness shining on or focused through an instrument is what? Attention. What do I love? Obviously, scripture. Why do I love scripture? Because I'm paying attention to scripture all day long. If your wife said, or husband says, you don't love me, what does it mean? It means you're not paying attention to me. That's all. That's why husbands leave wives and wives leave husbands. Because they're not getting any love. They're not getting any attention. So love is just a willing attention. Now you can either do what? What can you do with your attention? You can either pay attention to the subject awareness, or you can pay attention to the objects that appear in awareness. If there are no objects, what do you do? Then, then you, obviously your attention is only going to go to the subject. So there's two kinds of love. There's love with form and love without form. What's called formless love or formless meditation and what? Meditation on forms. Is just what you're directing your attention to. Obviously, huh, if you're an inquirer and you want moksha, where do you want your attention to be going? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You want to you want to be paying attention to the self, to you, not to what, not to the forms. But that's called formless meditation is paying attention to the self only. And if you're paying attention to the self only, what do you do? The forms are included in the self, aren't they? So by loving yourself, you automatically love all the forms, don't you? If you love yourself, then all forms are loved by you. Why? Because... All forms are nothing but you. The wave is what? Non-separate from the ocean. 
If you can't meditate on yourself directly, in other words, how would you meditate on yourself directly? You with the teachings. Brahma Satyam Jagamiti is the one teaching that will what? Keep your mind solely fixed on yourself all the time. Why? Because your attention will not get involved, will not what? Waste its time meditating on the forms. Well, your mind, your attention will always go what? To awareness. So your mind will stay fixed on awareness all the time. And therefore you'll always be what? Free, peaceful, blissful, happy. If, you're, if your mind is a little gross, if you're rajasic or tamasic, then your mind is going to be what? Paying attention to forms. When you meditate on forms, that's called upasana yoga. Upasana yoga is meditating on forms. That's the next stage after what? After karma yoga. Karma yoga, you're meditating on actions <coughs> and the results with reference to Ishwara, the, the, the generator of the actions and the results. But in Upasana yoga, which is the, the last six chapters we've just, we've just uh, discussed, you're meditating on forms of Ishwara. And that's going to what? Purify your mind. You're going to, now, why can you... Why can you meditate on forms or as well as the formless? Because reality is non-dual. If reality is non-dual, then what? The form is the formless, isn't it? The wave is the ocean. So by meditating on a wave, what am I doing? If I have understanding, I'm meditating on myself. Knowing that, that the waves are myself, it's easy to love them, isn't it? If I think, uh, if I don't see the waves as myself, then I have problems in my relationships, don't I? I have problems with people. Because people are just the main waves we're dealing with. Huh? Our lives are basically, all of our thoughts are basically about people, aren't they? And all of our relationships are definitely with, only with people. Well, some people relate only to material objects or to dogs and cats. People who, who can't love people usually love, you know, loves and dogs and cats because they feel inadequate to love people. It's easier to love dogs and cats than it is to love people. But, you know, those people are cowards, actually. They're, they're afraid, huh? So they, they, you see them wandering around with their dogs and cats. In, you know, I mean, like babies. Carrying the dogs and cats like babies. So what? So I'm loving what? What? You're always loving something. Means what? You're always paying attention to something. The point is, what do you know when you're paying attention to that object? What are you actually loving? Are you loving the object as yourself, or are you loving the object as something else? Well, obviously, you're only, you can only be loving the object as yourself because there's only yourself. But if you don't know that, then you think yourself is something else and then you can't love it. So, uh, so, so knowledge, self-knowledge is, uh, is what? Equivalent to love. There's no difference between awareness, self-knowledge, and love. It's the idea here. 
Remember we talked, remember in the last, was it the last chapter? No, it was a couple chapters. Chapter, was it nine, I think. Where, eight or nine. Where, where Krishna talked about the different kinds of devotees. Huh? Distressed. Huh? The distressed ones? Yeah, the distressed ones, the ones, huh? People, people love Bhagawan because they're in, in trouble. Their lives are falling apart. And and so and they and they know they can't solve the problem. And they've tried all kinds of solutions. So then they they, they include God in their thinking. Because they want to get they want to quit suffering. And now I've got a big problem here. I want help from Ishwara. So then I love Ishwara. That's the distressed ones. And then what are the other ones? What's the next ones? Those want stuff? Yeah, the wanders. I want stuff. Huh? And I know that, that <coughs> I just can't manipu- I just can't manipulate the world perfectly to get everything I want. So what do I do? I know that Bhagawan controls all the objects. So I, I, I kiss Bhagawan's royal butt. Huh? I, huh? I, I, I get Ishwar on my side and I, and I do some business with Ishwar. I beg Ishwar, please give me this, please give me that. I'll do this for you if you'll do this for me. This is Rajasika Bhakti. Sakama Bhakti means, Sakama means with desire. I want, I want Bhagawan stuff. I don't want Bhagawan. Now what's the next class? People who want to know Bhagawan. They figured out, that's a higher state of love, huh? They figured out that if they can get Bhagawan, then they get all Bhagawan stuff. (laughs) (laughs) They're smarter. (laughs) So they're going directly for Bhagawan. Those are called geniasus. They're the the seekers of, of Bhagawan. They say, never mind about the stuff. And Bhagavan says, if 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 you're seeking me, what does he say in there? What was that statement he just made? I protect what you acquire in value. I take care of your getting and your keeping. You 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 keep your mind on me and you don't have to worry about all the stuff. I'll take care of that. That's that's my job. All you have to do is keep your mind fixed on me. And what was the fourth kind? Those who know Bhagawan as themselves. In other words, they are Bhagawan. I know I am love, consciousness. I know that. That's called anyani. My nature is love. I am love. I am what? One with him. And he says that he says, that person who knows that is me. <laughs> It's not a separate, it's not somebody that loves Bhagawan as himself, it's, it's, that is Bhagawan that loves himself as himself. In fact, you love yourself unconditionally, don't you? Yeah. Because why? How do we know this? Because everything you do is only for yourself, isn't it? <laughs> the, the scripture says, the, the, the husband loves the wife for the husband's sake, not for the wife's sake. The wife loves the husband for the wife's sake, not for the husband's sake. 
everybody only loves what for them for their own sake they don't love for other people's sake in maya you you make a big story and you say i love you for your sake to make the other person feel good so they give you what you want but in fact you only love them because why it pleases you to love them and when it stops pleasing you to love them then you get rid of them so it's only just for your own sake. All love is only just the self loving the self for its own sake. Mind you. So now, now, Arjuna wants to know. It's another dumb question, but all questions are dumb. And so we welcome all questions. Huh? He, Krishna, he wants to know which is better, which is best. Huh? It was like the thing before. You, you remember the question before he had... What is it better? Should I be a renunciate, or or should I, uh, should I should I should I become a sannyasi right now, or should I do karma yoga? Should I do action? What should I do? Well, there's no way to compare, is there? Because you can compare means with means and ends with ends, but you can't compare ends with means. And what karma yoga is a means to an end, so you can't compare it with the end. Understand? It's a means to an end. So he's got a confusion, a convenient confusion, mind you, because he doesn't want to do what Krishna wants him to do. Krishna's telling him, fight, and he's, I don't want to fight. So he cooks up this fake doubt. So here's another, here's another doubt. that, huh? And Krishna answers it more or less honestly, to just to, in a way, discuss the different problems and, and that come at each stage of bhakti. There are these, all these different stages of bhakti. Karma yoga is bhakti yoga. There's karma yoga with what? With desire. There's karma yoga without desire. What karma yoga with desire is what? These are people who are are are. That's the first stage. These are, these are people who who want stuff in the world. And they're what? But they want to get out of that. They want to get out of the world. They want to get a quiet... Because they want stuff in the world so they have emotional issues. Karma yoga is just how you manage your emotions. Basically anger. Karma yoga is pure anger management. Why, Why do we say it's pure anger management? Because what? Anger is just what? Frustrated desire. That's all it is. Kama, Kroda, Loba. It says, Kama, you have Kama. When the, when it looks, when the desire is what is blocked, then what do you do? You get angry. If you're angry, it means you're not getting what you want. So, Karma Yoga is how you manage your wants, your likes and your dislikes. If you see something you don't like, then what do you do? You get angry. Because you don't like it, because you want things to be different, huh? So your likes and your dislikes are just anger management. And karma yoga is the way you manage your anger. If you have, if you find yourself consistently angry in situations, you're not doing karma yoga. You haven't figured out the karma yoga. You still what? Think that the object of your anger is actually producing the anger. You, you you think that person 
your wife or your kids or your boss or the church or the government or somebody, you think they're responsible for it, or the polluters who are polluting the environment, uh, those are the people that are causing my anger. And so you, you haven't taken responsibility for your anger and you're not doing your karma yoga. So in that first stage, uh, you, your karma yoga is to manage your anger. So you have a desire, you have desires there. But in the second stage of karma yoga, huh, what, what are you doing? It's without desire. Now that means what? Well, there is desire, but when we say without desire, it means without desire for an outcome in the world. I don't want the world to be different. I don't care if my wife loves me or my kids love me or my boss, you know, is a or the government and that sort of thing. I don't care. They can be what they want to be. What do I want? I want peace of mind. So therefore, I don't have desire for the world to be different. Huh? I have desire what? For a calm mind. That's the point. That's huh? So I take the karma yoga attitude does what? In every situation, it brings my mind to peace. But it's just an attitude. It brings my mind, mind to peace. Then the next stage is upasana yoga, where what? Where now that I've got my peaceful mind, I need to see the, the peace and the love in the objects around me. So I meditate on Ishwara, on the forms of Ishwara, and then finally what? The last stage is what? On the formless Ishwara. And how do you meditate on the formless Ishwara? How do you love yourself in the final stage? How do you get to that non-dual bhakti in that final stage? You subject your mind to the teaching. You practice Shravana, Manana, and Nididhyasana. And then you see that what? You are love. So that's the final stage. It's called parama. It's called parabhakti. Or parama prema swarupa. You realize your nature is of the nature of pure consciousness or pure love. So he's just, Arjuna's just asking these questions here. And Krishna's going to try to uh, sort out a few of these little doubts uh, for he said, Arjuna said, which devotee has the best understanding of yoga? The one who meditates on you as a personal God in your divine form or the one who sees you impersonally, not subject to decline and unavailable for objectification? Well, in other words, do you meditate on a form? In this case, you, in the in this in in the upasana stage, you you take a form of God to meditate on. Okay, it, you you can take a physical form. Obviously, if you're more subtle, you can just take a physical form. But you can also take a symbol of the self, like the, in the Hindu tradition. Remember, this is this this text is came in the in the Hindu tradition. And, and it came from India. And there, what? In that culture, the culture itself has supplied a whole raft of deities for meditation, for worship. 
And all of those deities are what? Symbols of the self. So by worshiping them, by, by propitiating them and loving them, what do you do? You start loving yourself. First you just do it as an act of devotion, just love. You think, well, there's something to get. But, but in the case of, the, of Vedic culture, Vedic culture is really cool. And I, as I mentioned earlier, we're in the Puranic age now, and the Puranic age is the age of the deities. And so that's because most people can't meditate on the form of self. Most people are not up to the Vedanta level. You guys are advanced people. So you, you have the intellect and are capable of understanding the truth without meditating on the forms. But in, in, in the beginning stage, and I still love that stage even though I know who I am, I still love the, the deities. Because every one of those deities what symbolizes myself. And it's beautiful to like worship them. So in that stage, what? You have a personal God. It's called an Ishta Devata. You just choose one of the deities you like. I, I personally like Krishna. I've always liked Krishna or Vishnu. Krishna is good. I don't even like Vishnu better than Krishna. Krishna is Vishnu in a particular form. Rama is Vishnu in a particular form. But I particularly like Vishnu. He's just the coolest of all the deities as far as I'm concerned. And I can see the self uh, in, in him very easily. Uh, particularly because he's Sattva Guna. He's a, he's a symbol of Sattva Guna. So it's a really Sattvic form of worship. Um, Shiva's Tamaguna. He's a, 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 most people like Shiva. Shiva's a big one. But people like him because he's Tamasic. He represents Thomas. The creative, the destructive power, and and Brahma is what, Rajas, or what? He's a he's a. They don't really worship Brahma, why? Because they don't want to don't want to worship created objects, basically. If, to destroy objects, Shiva as Dakshinamurti destroys ignorance, so you can worship Shiva in that way. But I like Vishnu for various reasons. So in any case, it says the question is: Do you want? What's better, to meditate on a form or the formless? Well, it's the same question as before. If you're qualified to meditate on the formless, you meditate on the formless. If you're not, then you meditate on the form until your mind becomes subtle. The reason you meditate on the form is what? To make your mind subtle. Because by, by, by offering your worship to this form and contemplating on the meaning of those symbols, your mind starts to expand. In the karma yoga, your mind is dull, it's gross, it's rajasic and tamasic. It's not an expansive mind. It's only what? Concerned with what I want and, and getting what I want. That's a very gross mind. Uh, but in this stage, the, the, I want to expand that gross mind into a more subtle mind. I'm not concerned with getting stuff from the world. I'm concerned with, you know, spiritual things. So I, I've turned inward in the second stage and I'm doing a meditation phase of my sadhana. That's the second stage of bhakti. So he wants to know which is better. Well, <laughs> one suitable for one person at one stage and the other suitable for a person at the other stage. Krishna replied, he gives a non-answer again, just like he gave a non-answer before. Huh? 
<laughs> Krishna's polite. He doesn't want to hurt Arjuna's feelings, make him feel stupid. He just he gives a really a non-answer. He said, "Those who always, those who always keep their minds and heart fixed on me with unflinching concentration and faith are best." Well, who's the me? On the formless or the form? <laughs> it's true for both. Huh? In other words, the point here is unflinching concentration. Huh? In that mumukshutu, that bhakti, your desire for freedom is total is is nothing but your love of God. And if your love of God is intense, then what? Your desire for freedom is intense. It's the same thing. And if it's intense, we call that mumukshutuam. If it's intense, then you will concentrate all the time. I'm like forty-five years. I'm still concentrating. I'm 45 years I've been in this. I'm still like a, a fanatic. I'm obsessed. I talked to the gentleman in the, in the group here yesterday. He said, I'm obsessed. And people write us all the time. There's a lot of people out there totally obsessed with themselves now. This has given them, a, a, given them a, 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 an opportunity to become completely obsessed. Because you've got yourself a huge, a beautiful form. These are, this is a kind of medit this is a formless meditation with words. With words and ideas we meditate because we're intellectual types. But all everything's available now because I love what? I love freedom. And loving freedom means I love God and loving God means I love myself. So you're doing this for yourself. That means this is the highest form of love is self inquiry. Don't, don't think you're not. You're definitely doing the best thing for yourself by inquiring into who you are. It's pure love. And there's no higher thing because once you understand this, all your seeking stops. And then what did he said? But, he said, assuming they have mastery over their senses, view everything equal with equal vision and take delight in the welfare of all beings... He's telling this, he's describing this kind of love. Um, those who contemplate on what? That which is not subject to decline, indestructible, unavailable for objectification. What would this be? The formless self, pure consciousness, all pervasive, not an object of thought, which abides unmoving in Maya and is eternal. Those people also realize me. He said, but they have a certain problem. It's difficult for them. Why is it difficult for them? Because what? They tend to identify with the body. Remember now, when we said, when I said, where are these located? What was your first thought? In your hand. Right? You knew I was tricking you, so you didn't say that. But your first thought was, they're in your hand, dummy. Huh? You did not immediately think they're in you. In fact, you sat there. You were, didn't want to didn't want to commit yourself because you didn't want to look stupid because you knew I was up to some kind of teaching trick, you know. But you immediately thought they're in your hand, dummy. That's what everybody thinks. Well, well, that's true. If what? If huh? If you are what? Fill in the blank. It's true that they're in my hand if I am blank. What's the answer? The body. 
it's true if you're, in, if you're the body. See, this is the whole problem with this, with this Vedanta. You've got to get over the idea that you are this body. You have to see the body as an object, a wave in awareness, a wave in consciousness. The body is just an object in consciousness, and you're taking the position of an object, and then, you, then that puts this over here. Whereas your body has exactly the same degree of reality as this, doesn't it? Yeah. The body's just matter and you. This is just matter. What's the difference? But because your consciousness is so closely associated with this body and not with this body, you think that what? You're this, this body and what? So you put this outside of yourself. You don't see that it's inside. That's what he means here. That's why this formless meditation is difficult. Because the body, you know, creates these forms and you take these forms to be real when you and you think that time and space is real when you identify with the body. So that's the problem. Oh my God. Time to quit. Twelve o'clock. Maybe 15 minutes more time. To Look at him. <laughs> what about poor old Ramji? He <laughs> <laughs> made me work so hard. Just an object. <laughs> <laughs> Ramji's an object, huh? <laughs> <laughs> That's the next day. However, however, the way is e easier for those who want only me consistently offer all their actions to me and keep their minds fixed only on me. Why? Because they always act thinking of the self. Fear, huh? If, if, right? if you're always acting and you're always doing karma yoga, then you're always thinking of the self, aren't you? Because all your actions are dedicated to the self. So that's pretty simple, isn't it? In other words, karma yoga means every time you act, you should think of the self. Every time you act, you should, what you, what, what's karma yoga? Consecrate the action to the self. Right? You consecrate the action to the self, and you, and you what? You agree, you surrender the results to the self before you act. Those two things. Con now, if you consecrate the action to the self, whatever you do, Will and listen to this is, this is very important. I don't know if I emphasized this enough when I talked about karma yoga. If you consecrate the action to the self, if you say this is for you, Bhagawan, will you do an action that's insulting to yourself? Mm. You won't, will you? You will not do a, a, a selfish action, a greedy action an angry action, a deceitful action, you will not do an, a an action that injures anybody. Will you? Understand? Because you're doing it for Bhagavan, aren't you? You're doing, it for, huh? you're doing it for yourself, so you won't do bad actions. Automatically. If, you're, if you find yourself doing bad actions, it means what? You're not doing karma yoga. If you find yourself saying bad things to people, abusing people, 
cheating people, lying, all that sort of thing. You 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 won't be doing your karma yoga. Understand? So, and if you what, if you, what do you do when after you've consecrated the action? You agree to yourself. You agree with yourself to take the result as prasad. So what? So your prasad means you're thinking of the self again, aren't you? Now, everything that's happening every minute is prasad, isn't it? Why? Because everything that you, you're experiencing now is the result of actions you've done before, isn't it? Right? What you're experiencing now is the result of actions you've done before as they wend their way through the Dharma field and come back to you. You don't get my actions. You don't get the results of my actions. I get the results of my actions. You get the results of your actions. Vishwar keeps it all separate. Ishwar knows what all, whatever doer is, whatever the doer does, and what, where the result goes. So the result always goes back to the doer of the action. So whatever action I'm getting is just what? It's just the, whatever I'm experiencing is the result of my own action. And therefore what? I'm not happy with my life? Hmm? I'm supposed to take my life as prasad. That's the point. Because that's what Ishwara has said. You did this action, and now you get this result. You should be happy with it. If I'm not happy with it, then what? I'm not doing karma yoga, am I? See the ego? I mean, the ego doesn't like this, does it? There's no wiggle room here. Huh? The ego always wants some wiggle room so it can slip out of there. So it can do what it wants and like what it like and thinks it's righteous and good and holy and, and right. Right, particularly right. The ego always loves to be right. There's a great saying in the Course in Miracles. I love it. You know what it says? Would you rather, rather be right or happy? <laughs> oh, I'd rather be right. <laughs> huh? Yeah, that's the ego, huh? Rather be right than happy. No, do your karma yoga and you'll be happy. That's why he says here. He said it's easy for this, huh? If you if you do that karma yoga, it's a very easy path. If your heart clings to me and your intellect continually inquires into me, there's no doubt that you'll come to abide in me alone. If, however, you are unable to to keep the mind constantly absorbed in me, then seek to reach me through the yoga of constant practice. In the event that you have do not have the capacity to practice yoga, devote yourself to my service just by offering all your actions to me. Do do a, do things for your for the self. You will succeed. Even if you're unable to do this, take refuge in me and train your mind to give up the results of all your actions to me. Knowledge is better indeed than action. And meditation is superior to knowledge. This means like book knowledge. But renunciation of the results of action is better than meditation because peace comes immediately when results are announced. 
in this case, meditation <laughs> means dualistic meditation. Because in dualistic meditation, what do you, what result are you looking for? Looking for some long, big experience of the self, and that may take a long time to get that. Whereas if you immediately feel happy and good, what? When you renounce the results of your actions, your emotions clear up, and you don't need to meditate, do you? You're only meditating because you're disturbed to get rid of the disturbance and get to feel peace. But what? Just let go of the desire for the result, give it to Bhagawan, and immediately you feel peace. So why will you need to meditate? <laughs> and then uh, after this afternoon, then we'll, again, uh, what it is, what moksha is. Uh, and every, almost every chapter we have a, what this topic, the self-realized devotee. In the last, in the, in the last uh, chapter of my, of my new book, The Essence of Enlightenment, uh, I, take, I basically use all these verses. It, the, the last chapter is basically an explanation of all the different verses in here describing a uh, realized person. And that's your checklist to see. If you, if you, if you, you know, if if all, if this is true for you, then you're enlightened, and if not, not. <laughs> you're the one that determines, you know, you know. But you have to determine by what you have to have faith that this is the truth, and just see honestly whether or not it applies to you. Okay. Thank you for listening to the talk of James Wards on the Bhagavad Gita, recorded at Yoga Vidya Bad Meinberg near Hanover in Germany. More information on shiningworld.com and yoga-vidya.org.